Why do you go to church? Well, maybe that's a misnomer even to start with. Go to church. You can't go somewhere when you are the church, right? You know? But you know what they mean. Attending worship, gatherings, opportunities to, to be together. I, I, I mainly picked that clip because I like the Irish accent. Do you guys like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't it, I mean, powerful lessons. Why do you go, what is the reason behind your involvement? Because today we're talking, not just for you, because you're here, but what is it that we can do to encourage others within our sphere of influence and in our circle of friendships and comrades and coworkers and and neighbors and, and even just our family to encourage them about regularity and the opportunity of growing through church worship gatherings, church worship services. Uh, 40 years in the ministry, and I just observe when someone is regular in their weekly involvement in worship, I see growth and I see strength coming. When someone says, well, I'm taking a break, I'll see you in a couple years, what I see in their spiritual life usually is heartbreaking. The scripture talks about it as shipwrecked. You know, is church magic? No. But God says he does something. When two or more are gathered, he says, I'm there in your midst, and I'm going to do something special to help you grow, to help you be inspired to be lifted up, to be encouraged. So how can we encourage others in that process? This is the perfect time in terms of the fall to look at the next few months. It's the most opportune time. Summer's over, a lot of our vacating is done. Now we're able to settle in. Most children and teens and college kids are settling into a routine. Most adults are kind of settling into the fall. Not everybody, but most. It gives us a chance to say, okay, can I make a determined, dedicated commitment to, to spending time and growing myself, my family, and others in worship? I didn't bring this up earlier, but could you get the handout out that says, attend one, serve one, and bring one. We've had this in the last couple of weeks to encourage you about this process. Today, we're really just spending time on the first one, the attend one. You know, I don't even like the word attend when it comes to church all that much. No? But I think it gets us started, okay? Because it's so much more than just attend the place where my heart beats rapidly, but I think it's a place where God's heart beats rapidly. And then the last one, the, the three other elders, Brian, Ryan, and Mark, helped me with the uh, ushering, greeting. I mean, some of the other uh, servant kind of roles are, are on there as well. And we do need um, help in those uh, teams as well. If you're uh, willing and think we're going to spend time today just on the consistency of attendance, because it, it really is God's heart that we would settle into a growth and training time. In fact, today I want to just encourage you, encourage you about the church, about the church. Why do people not attend? Have you thought about that? You thought about what, what excuses have you heard? Well, all the church wants is my money. Have you heard that one? 
church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. You hear that one? Have you heard, uh, I'm not into organized religion? Of course, you know what you can tell them, right? Come to Capital Vision, we're very disorganized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, slam it back to them, right? Anyway, what is it that would keep people away? You know the millennials, the millennial population group? They say the latest study said 79% of millennials have zero involvement, zero interest, zero expectation of involvement in the church. How, how do we overcome that? What do we do? What if we, those of us gathered here today, begin to make a dent, make a difference by encouraging what Jesus says about the church, encouraging what the truth is about coming together and gathering as a church family, as the body of Christ. You probably heard this joke before. It was a little boy, just a little lad, about four years old. And he came into the uh, church entryway and they had all kinds of trophy cases and, and uh, displays. And he saw this one display, glass, lights on it, and there were men in, in, and one lady in suits, like military outfits, military uniforms. And as he looked at him, he's kind of standing there, and he turned around to his mom and he said, Mom, who are all these guys? Who are all these people? And she said, oh, honey, these are the guys we're honoring because they died in service. And the boy kind of started to go for the door. She goes, where are you going? He says, well, was it the first or second service? <laughs> Just a little misunderstanding of the terminology, died in the service. What about people you know? I doubt if that's the reason. Well, how can you encourage them? So today I want to use a metaphor. I want to use an uh, analogy that I've never used before. I've never noticed it before until this week as I was kind of studying and thinking about it. But he here's what it ends up being. It's the word gym. You know, like the gymnasium. The gym. And so I I'm going to use it this way. Gym your life. Jot that down if you would. You've got a handout inside your, uh, an insert inside your handout. Just write down, Jim, your life. <laughs> you never heard that phrase before, right? I made it up. So, you know, it looks like something you'd make up, Pastor. Uh, here's the deal. The word in the Bible that's translated train in English is the same word from which we get the word Jim. So I want to draw an analogy with our utilization of the gym and church. Okay, you go to the gym to train. You go to the gym to work out. You go to the gym to get stronger and better and more virile in your approach to life, right? Well, some of you go, no, I don't go to the gym. No, well, that might be a problem in and of itself, but uh, we're gonna use that terminology here to gym your life spiritually. And that's what worship, that's what worship gatherings, that's what the body of Christ coming together on Sunday mornings on a regular basis is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be an opportunity for us to grow, get stronger, more virile in our training. Read this with me. This is from one huge leader, the Apostle Paul, to one of his younger leaders, 
Timothy. I just love this passage. Do not follow foolish stories that disagree with God's truth, but train. Oh, 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 stop there for a minute. Circle the word train, would you? Circle the word train or underline it there on your handout. Train, that's the word. That's the word I'm talking about. (laughs) Train, he says, train yourselves to serve God. Training, same thing. Circle that word. Training your body helps you in some ways. <laughs> some of you are going, yeah, training your body can help you in some ways. Now, I'm not going to look for a show of hands, but how many at some point in your life went to the gym on a regular basis? No, 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 I don't want hands. I'm just, I'm just making you think about it. <laughs> uh, Brian and I, we had a membership at Thrive. You still, you still go. Didn't you go yesterday? Planet Fitness. Not thrive. It's cheaper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it true that you went to uh, went the other day and worked out so hard that you couldn't even exercise with your granddaughter the next day? You're just too tired. Okay. What's it? Do? What was he doing? Training. It was of bodily function. Training your body helps you in some ways. But notice what it says. But serving God helps you in every way by bringing you blessings in this life and where? In the future life. So we're talking about a training that isn't just physical, pumping iron. It's not just working out on the elliptical. It's not just what you do at the gym. That's good for the moment. That's good for this this certain series that you're in, this lifestyle and lifetime here. But what he says is there's something that's going to bring you blessings in this life and the future life, the life that is to come. What I say is true, that you should fully accept it. This is why we work and struggle. We hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone treat you as if you are unimportant because you're young. Can I speak to some of you that are high school kids or young people? Some of you that are uh, teenagers, Taylor? Some of you that are young adults getting out of college? Some of you that are going to college, right? This week? Oh my goodness. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But what? But treat Instead, be an example to the believers in your words, in your actions, in your love, and in your faith and your pure life. You get to prove yourselves to be an example. No one's going to look down on you because you're young. Instead, they're going to look at you and go, oh my gosh, look at the joy of these people's lives. They become models and examples. Why? Because they've been training Because they've been growing. And how do you grow? Part of it is being together with God's people as God's people gather on a regular basis. Hearing the word of God. Look what he says. Until I come continue to read the scriptures to the people, everything's focused on the Bible, on the scriptures, on God's word. That's how you grow. Strengthen them and teach them. Use the gift you have, which was given to you through prophecy when the group of elders laid their hands on you. Now, part of what we do when we come together for church, every person gets to use their gifts. I mean, that's, that's what this is about. Where are you gifted and where can you serve? He says, use your gifts. 
Use the gift you have. Continue to do these things. Give your life to doing them so your progress may be seen by all. Did you realize that? He's saying your progress should be observable. Now, I know that goes flat against our culture and our society of privatized, individualized religion. Privatized individual, well, it's just me and God, everybody else is excluded. He's saying, no, when you live out your trained life, when you gym your life, everybody can see your progress. He says, by doing something, so your progress may be seen by everyone. Who's seeing your progress? Now, I've got to ask you that because two reasons. One, if no one's seeing your progress, it may be that you're not progressing. It also may be that you're not close enough to anyone to observe. What's, he, what's his, his um, assumption? His assumption is that Timothy's in a group of people that are going to see the change in his life, how the training is working. <laughs> You know, you go up to someone and go, wow, you've been working out. How many of you, who's ever said that to you spiritually? Oh my gosh, you've been working out. Yeah, I'm, I'm regular in my worship attendance. I'm regular in my small group. I'm regular in my personal devotions. I am focused and growing as a believer. Your progress can be evident to all. Be careful in your teaching, in your life and in your teaching. If you continue to live and teach rightly, you will save both yourself and those who listen to you. See, what's at stake is not just you. I mean, he's trying to get across an important pr- principle here. Your growth and your, um, your, your uh, gymming your life isn't just about you. According to that last phrase, It's about those who listen to you. It's about those who observe you. It's about those who are around you. Can I mention that to you, parents and grandparents? Well, I don't want to make my kids go because, you know, they they kind of resist, and so I just let them stay home on Sunday morning. What? No, we as a family, we worship God every week. Amen. Amen. And, and you'll get resistance. There'll be times when they go, oh, I just want to sleep in. What do, you do? what do you do when it's about food? Well, they want to eat dessert. But you say, nope, you're going to eat this. This family eats vegetables. I want to eat vegetables. Well, we are. Okay. What about sleep? What about anything else? <laughs> I don't want to go to school. This family goes to school. Okay. It's just an expectation. Okay, here's this idea. God's wanting us as a family of God to love and especially to love children into consistency. Something happens when you weekly bring your children, your kids, your, your grandkids, your neighbor's kids, your nieces, your nephews, and bring them on a regular basis, even if their parents are reluctant or resistant in most cases, their parents will say, you want them? You can have them. Take them. Take them, please take them. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of Bring them into the, the, the opportunity to, to, to worship. Now, I want you to get this. The Greek word's not nearly as important as this concept. The word is gymnizomai. Gymnizomai. Gymnazo. 
Gymnazo. In fact, say that with me, Gymnazo. One more time, Gymnazo. It's this word for training. It's a transliteration. They've just taken it and put it into the English. A transliteration of the word we get, gymnasium, which was real big in Rome and in Greek. The gym was a big deal, okay? Or gymnastics, the the idea of gymnastics, utilizing your... How many of you knew that was a, a, a Greek word? That's where it came from. You probably wondered, where did they get that weird word, gym? So what I'm saying to you is if we're going to train, we're going to gym your life. And the best place to gym your life is on a regular basis, coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ and growing in him, growing through worship, growing through that opportunity. So gym your life. Now, let's talk about Jesus' idea of the church. I mean, Jesus instituted the church. Some, of, some people think the church is just a human invention. No, this is Jesus's idea. It's his thought. As Peter answered the question, who do men say that I am? And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and he said, flesh and bone has not um, revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven He declared that this was an amazing revelation. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the exact same phrase we use when we immerse somebody around here. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? Yeah. Because what did Jesus say? Blessed are you, for this was not revealed by flesh and bone, but by my Father. And I tell you, dear Peter, and on this rock. What's the rock? Not Peter. But the statement that he had just made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. On this rock, I will build my... That's Jesus speaking. I mean, think about it. It's not a human invention. Now, there might be stupid things we do as humans. <laughs> there might be silly traditions we have as humans. But the idea and the blessing of the church was Christ's idea. It was his plan. He's the one who says, I will, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I know that's mysterious thinking, but let's go through a couple of points here. First of all, the church is built on faith in Jesus Christ. All of us, and I put us all in the same boat, who trusted for, in Christ for our salvation, who are no longer saying, I'm going to be good enough. If I just do the right things, God's going to let me into heaven. All of us who've said no to that plan of salvation and said, instead of trusting myself, I'm going to trust Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I put my faith and trust in you. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. That's the bride of Christ. That's the family of God. The church is built on faith on this rock. Peter has just exemplified faith. Now notice this verse 18 circle the word my I will build what? My church. My church, he says. You know, somebody will come up to me and say, Pastor Bruce, how many people are in your church? You know, I, I'm always struggling with, do I correct them? 
I know what they mean. 100 people, 200 people, whatever, you know, the answer is. But they mean well. But I just want to go, it's not my church. (laughs) Of course I'm a helper here. I'm a leader here. I love people here. Uh, Of course I'm a part of things. But it's not my church. It's Christ's church. He is the lead pastor. All we're trying to do as elders in the church as pastors in the church, is make sure that his reign and his leadership is clear and obvious, and we never go against it. His revealed and written word is not something we take lightly. We don't say, well, I know Jesus said this, but we're doing this. No. If Jesus expressed his will, it's his will. It's his church. We have to go with it. Now, there's some groups that say, Eh, tradition trumps the word. We say, nope, tradition does not trump the word. The word of God supersedes tradition. Some people will say, well, there's more modern revelation. Maybe a prophet came along and he disagreed with God's word. So we're going to go with a modern rendition, a book of something. Nope, we're going to stick with God's word revealed through Jesus in the Bible. He is the senior pastor of this church, of of his church. It's his church. He says, I will build my church. I'm a little bit convicted about that. I I feel strongly about that, as you can tell. The church is Christ. Thirdly, the church is going to be victorious, the church cannot fail. The church will supersede and succeed. The gates of hell will not overcome it. One version says, the gates of hell will not prevail. What's it say? Now, what's, that? what's the picture of that? The gates of hell are over here. The church is on the march. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's not a picture of the church in defense mode. The gates of hell are coming. The gates of hell are coming. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? Gates are stationary. It's just the opposite. You and I, as part of Christ's family, we're crashing the gates and dragging people lovingly out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. That's what the church is about. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the body of Christ. You with me, folks? You want to storm the gates of hell together? Yes. You want to go to the edge of, of hell itself and pull people from the darkness and the fire into the glorious light of God? Huh? Yeah. Victorious. You know, in this day and age, with the culture the way it is, with our society so against spiritual life and Christianity specifically, you know, you, f- you feel like people are hiding under rocks. The church is, is a little bit scared. I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm victorious. And you, as a part of the church, a part of the family of God, can stand the same way unashamed, unafraid, unabashedly saying the gates of hell will not overpower or prevail against the body 
of Christ. The church will be victorious. One more. What's this whole keys thing? I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be... God gives the church his reigning leadership and authority. It's the place where God's leadership, and Christ's leadership specifically, is administered. It's not anywhere else out there. It's in the body of Christ. It's in the church. That's where we're supposed to love people to that degree. I will give you the keys to the kingdom, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, I know we're running out of time, but jot these down real quick. I'm going to go through four analogies, four word pictures of the church, okay? The first one, the first one has to do with being the bride of Christ. I don't have it up here, but just jot that down. The church is the bride of Christ. Numerous places this is found. The book of Revelation is one of the biggest ones. I just want to read one passage, and you can make the application. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ is in his position of the groom. Who's in the position of the bride? The church. The church. Husband, wife, Christ, church. You getting it? Here's what he says. He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Wow, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? To present her to himself as a radiant church. You could put the word in there, as a radiant bride, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Some people say that they love Jesus, but they can't stand his wife. How do you feel if somebody says they like you, but they can't stand your spouse? Sorry! <laughs> I married Lydia 41 years ago, and she takes a precedent over you. You know? If you say you love me and you can't stand her, something big is wrong. Because if you love me, you're going to love what I love. If people say, yes, Jesus, no, church. What? The church is his bride, for goodness sakes. How can you say you love Jesus when the thing that's closest to his heart, you're saying down on her? You follow me? It's impossible to say you love Jesus and you hate the thing that is closest to his heart. Got real quiet here, didn't it? Could that be an encouragement, do you think? Is there anybody in your world that could use that encouragement? If you say, yes, I love Jesus, yes to Jesus, you have to say yes to his bride, the thing that is closest, dearest to his heart. Because what's it say? He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her, to present her to himself as a radiant church. Second one, jot this one in. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Numerous places, 15 different places that specifically teach on it. Two whole chapters in Corinthians that talks about the body of Christ. I'm just going to read one from that same passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. For we're members of his body. We're members of what? 
His body. So, you know, uh, corporeally, he left the earth. He resurrected and he, he uh, ascended. But he left the body of Christ here to do his work. He says, you are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. No question here. The body of Christ is the church. Now, I know this is early in the morning, close to noon, but not quite. So it might, might not be easy to think about, but just to make a gross graphic impression, say you walk in your house and there on your couch is an arm, a dismembered arm. You know, I watch too much TV. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, what I'm thinking about is the dismembered part of the body. And what happens to a dismembered part of the body? It's sad. You know, it's going to decay. It's dead. It's not useful. It's, it's lame. It's just sitting there. It's purposeless and foul. And yet, so often, people intentionally dismember themselves from the body of Christ. Now, they might be thinking in their mind, well, I'm still a part of the universal church. It's just a local church I can't stand. Now, does that make any sense? What if I bought a, um, what is it, Brian? Planet Fitness? What if I bought a Planet Fitness membership? 600 bucks for the year or 1,000 bucks, whatever it is. And I said, well, I'm a member of Planet Fitness. And he said, well, where do you work out? <laughs> oh, I don't work out. Why'd you get a national membership if you never go to the gym? Well, I just wanted the national membership. That's kind of like the big C church. I'm a member of the church. Well, what's your local family? What's your local body? <laughs> well, I don't have one of those. Does that make any sense? Well, what if you bought a Costco membership? And someone came to you and said, how often do you use the Costco membership? <laughs> well, you just went in for the free food. No, 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 just kidding. <laughs> what if you said, I I've had this membership for 16 years. I've never bought one thing at Costco. Well, why do you keep buying a membership for the club when you don't utilize it? And that's sometimes the way I feel when people say, well, yeah, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Of course, I'm a Christian. Well, what's your local fellowship? Well, I gave up on those years ago. You mean you don't get to worship God and gather with brothers and sisters? What's wrong? And you know what usually they say? Almost without exception. I got hurt. I got injured. The, the, the brothers and sisters beat me up. So I gave up on, and, and we're going to talk about that. Because that does happen. It is hard to work with people. The body of Christ is a group of sinners that love Jesus that Jesus is working on. And it can get messy. But are you, do you know anybody that's a dismembered part of the body of Christ? They're a believer. They say they love Jesus, but they have absolutely no relationship with the church. It is a growing group of people in our culture, in our society. 
Number three, the church is the family of God. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the family of God. Just, just this one verse from the Living Bible. You are a member of God's very own, what's the word? Family. And you belong to God's household. The word there is oikos, oikia, with every other Christian. You're a member of God's household. You're a member of his family. You know, what's the number one phraseology for people in the body of Christ? He is our father and we are brothers and sisters. Yeah, children of God, but we are brothers and sisters of one another. (laughs) Now, when I say that, some of you are going, if you knew my brother, you would not use that analogy. (laughs) And some of you are going, oh, I understand because I have a really good relationship with my brother or my sister, earthly brother or sister. But it's the spiritual connection. He says, you're brothers and sisters. It's the family of us. So let's talk about that. A couple of, couple of breakdowns here. The church is the family of God and the church is relational. Let me just say this. The church will hurt you. You can get hurt in the church. Does that mean you should not engage? No. In fact, it's just the opposite. Let me say it this way. The gym can hurt you. When you work out in the gym, what about the day or so later, all that lactic acid's kind of in your muscles, and you feel sore, you feel hurt, and you go, oh, that feels good. Because why? You know it's leading to strength. (laughs) When you actually tear your muscles by working out, you actually rip the muscles and they heal again. That's what building your muscles up is involved with. I'm not a nurse, but. No pain, no gain. Okay, we're going to get to that one too. No pain, no gain. Yep, yep, yep. The church is relational and the church is messy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, don't do this obviously, but while I'm just talking here, look around. We're kind of quirky. All churches are. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a trophy room for saints. Okay? The church is a messy place. You know why? Because you and I are here. I'm weird. Look in the mirror and do that. Amen. (laughs) We can all do that, right? Yeah. The church is relational and the church is messy. But that's what God's called us to, and that's what, call, that's what gymming your life is all about. Now, you might be looking at me saying, no, 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 I'm staying arm's length. I may be here on Sunday morning, but I'm not getting any closer than that because it's messy. I want to encourage you. Don't go to the, that'd be like going to the gym, pumping one weight and going, wow, I got to walk away. Well, I thought you were going to work out. Well, no, I just want to look like I'm working out. What? What a waste. Your whole trip for that? You know? God's calling on you and I to grow together. To mess together. <laughs> to, you mess with my stuff and I mess with your stuff and we help each other train. That's what gymming your life is all about. One more thing. Brothers and sisters. I mentioned that earlier. The letters written in the New Testament were to the church. And he kept saying brothers. The the number one phraseology 
the terminology for people in the body of Christ is brothers and sisters for each other. It's the family of God. Let's do one more. Priesthood. The church is Christ's priesthood. Now that might not be a easy concept for us today. In fact, with stuff that's going on in the news and stuff about priests and some churches and stuff, it's a, it's a hard word maybe to use, but it's a Christ word. And he's calling on you to be a priest or priestess in the kingdom of God. Notice what he says. As you've come to him, the living stone. Notice that's a singular stone. Who is that? That's Jesus. He was rejected by humans, hung on a cross, but chosen by God and precious to him. The fact that he was hung on the cross does not mean he was rejected by God. You also like living stones. Notice that's plural and not capitalized. Who's he referring to there? You also like living stones. That's us. He says, are being built into a spiritual house. That's what the church is. It's not a, a building that's made of brick and mortar. It's a spiritual house. That's why you don't go to church. You are the church. You are the living stones that make up the body of Christ. Just like Jesus was a living stone, you are his body here and now. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy, underline that, priest hood. You and I, the church of Jesus Christ, we're called on today to be the priesthood. There's not the, the Levites that served in the Old Testament as priests. Guess who's that Levite now? You and I. You and I are priests before fa the Father for uh, uh, representing the body of Christ today, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what's a priest do? A priest invites people into God's presence. The priest would stand at the entrance of the temple and invite people into the presence of God. Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's love God. Come on. Who's supposed to do that now? You're looking at him. You're looking at him in the mirror. It's you and I that are the priest today, inviting people into God's presence. Two weeks from today, we're going to talk about bringing one, bringing people to worship and experience God together. We're the bridge. The priests were the bridge between people and God. I mean, they literally saw themselves as a, as a ha hanging on to God with one hand and people with the other and say, I'm going to bridge these folks. They're gymming their life by working out, bringing people and God together. Do, do, humor me for a minute. Just do this. Just do this little exercise here. Bringing people and God, people and God together. Yeah, that's what priests do. You are a priest or a priestess in the kingdom of God. He's called on you as the body of Christ to be a bridge between people and God. You're being built together into a spiritual house, a household of faith. Nothing can destroy or take away. Notice it's the, the built together. It's not just being built individually. That's important. You need to grow as an individual. But the bigger part is you're being built together. I mean, what good is a brick by itself? I mean, or a stone. Well, I got a stone in my front yard. 
I don't have a house, but I got a stone. No, you want many stones put together in relationship with one another that build the house. So being in relationship with one another is all important. You don't have a house with a brick or a stone. You only have a house as you are built together. Underline that, if you will. Well, let's move to the last part here. Let's just throw out a couple of lessons we learned from the gym. Okay, since I talked about gymming your life, it's all about training. That's why we come together on a regular basis on Sunday morning. What do we learn from the gym? First of all, the compounding effect of working out. The compounding effect of working out and consistency is the most important thing. Now, if I just go to the gym once a year, you know what they say? That's more harm than good. If you're only going to go once a year, I, I think the professionals would say it's better not to go than to just go kill yourself off and never go again. The consistency is where the effect comes from, is where he calls on the compound. It's just like compounding interest, right? It can get to you if it's, your, it's on your credit card or if you're, if you're loaning someone some money. The same thing with the compounding effect of consistency. When you regularly spend time in God's presence with God's people, God's gathering of folks, there's a, there's a compounding effect that happens and you sense you start getting stronger and stronger. I mentioned it a, a, a little earlier. Uh, I notice, I can tell when someone is regular in their worship attendance, regular in their worship gathering, it shows in their life. You know this one, right? To fail to plan is to plan to fail. What if you say, well, I'm going to go to the gym when I feel like it. Uh, how's that working for you, right? Now, if you say, Brian, I'll meet you on Monday morning at 6 o'clock. Be there. I've planned to succeed. If I just say, well, Brian, I'll call you sometime, sometime later. Guess what? Later and later and later happens, right? The same thing is true with spiritual training. If I don't make a plan for it, if I don't say, come hell or high water, whatever I can do, if I'm not dead, I'm going to be in God's gathering. I'm going to be worshiping with God's people every time I can. Now, some of you might be saying, but my kids got sports. I got to be there. Maybe. I'm not convinced. I mean, maybe if you brought your kids to worship on a regular basis, they'd fall in love with Jesus, and you wouldn't have to worry down the road of where they're off center. Yeah? Maybe you're saying, but I got to watch the game. Oh, you never heard of a recording? Come on. Which, what's really important? It's all a matter of priorities, right? Now, I'm looking at myself because I love sports. I love games. Might be the first to put it on a record. We watch it later. Do I really want to end my life by saying, wow, I watched some good games? Yeah, did you see that Packers game? Did you see the Seahawks here? Yeah? Or do I want to end my life saying, I had a chance to influence people, to love God. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. To fail to plan 
It's the plan to fail. There you go, Gary. No pain, no gain. Dalton, you know that one, don't you? By the way, birthday's coming on Friday, right? How old are you going to be? 36, this brother's going to be on Friday. Yeah, give him a hand. Yeah. And he's an athlete. He likes to pump iron, huh? Yeah. And we got to pray for uh, Lisa, his wife. She's got a, a broken and cracked foot. Yeah, pray for Miss Lisa there. Now, there's pain there that we don't want. But when you're working out, you literally want the pain. You want the pain two days later when you know you've worked out hard and strong and you're going to be that much stronger for it. In fact, therapy's coming, right? Physical therapy will be there. And each time it hurts a little, you go, oh, ow, 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 but it's good for the healing, good for the growth. Let me say, dealing with people, it's bound to be painful. In fact, I would, I would ask you, to, I would encourage you to weigh your, your, um, the value of your Sunday mornings by how much pain you've got, what kind of issues you're working through. Now, I know that's not a popular thing to do, but what if we don't leave going, oh, that felt so good, but instead said, oh, that was hard. That was horrible. That hit right in the heart and I've got to work through that. Or you dealt with someone in a relationship and it was not easy. Did God call us to easy? Or did he call us to valuable? There's value in the pain. Dedication beats motivation. In other words, when you set the time aside and you say, I am going to do this, this is where I'm headed, this is what it's about, God will motivate. If you wait for the motivation, it may or may not happen. Dedication follows and beats motivation. That's why I'm asking you to set, set, set aside the fall and say, Lord willing, I am going to be involved, engaged, and pulling others into the worship. So why commit to a local church? First of all, I mentioned earlier, do you want a local place to worship and work out or just a national membership? Church is more than a club. The church is more than a preacher and a band. You know, that's what I hear. Oh, I like the band. I really like the band. I really like the preacher. Oh, that's good. You know. It's not about that. Those, aren't, those are important elements. That's not all it is. If you want just a good preacher and a good band, you can stay on the internet and hear the greatest of both. But we're not talking about that, are we? We're talking about relationships. We're talking about the being the body. The church is where we train for godly living. We gym our lives. Maybe you have to ask this question to people who've given up on the local church and have said, we're just going to do life with a few people. I ask them these four questions. Who's the center of your group? Who's included in your group? What are the safeguards of your group? And who is teaching or, or even overseeing the teaching? of your group. A lot of people I know that have given up on the local body of Christ have gone astray and their, their, their lives have shipwrecked. And we don't want that. So who do you know that you could pass on an encouragement about what the church is designed to be? Can we go against the tide 
of our culture, the tide of our nation? Could we, even as a group of 100 people here at Capital Vision, begin to shift by just touching the lives God's already placed us in relationship with and encouraging? Who do you know that's on the fringe right now of Capital Vision? Could you give them a call and say, hey, what if for the fall you made a commitment to be here with us? What if for the fall you loved God with us on a regular basis? Who do you know that maybe you've already connected a little bit with that you could have a powerful and unabated relationship with through this time? Who do some of you teens know that need to be in youth group? Who do some of you know that need to be in home group? Let's stand and pray together. Heavenly Father, you've given us uh, so much encouragement about the body of Christ, about the bride of Christ, about the family of God, and about the flock that you shepherd, Lord. And we're so excited that you've given us a loving family here. Thank you for giving us Jesus and that he is the model, the example, the, the overarching blessing for all of our lives. Lord, my prayer is that we would not... Um, we would not pass on the, the sick idea of the church that's out there in the world, but instead we would fresh and alive, we would, we would learn anew what the church is meant to be, that the power of a loving church would just grow within the ranks of the body here. We would see men and women, boys and girls, come to know you in record rates. Lord, we're praying for your leadership to be very, very clear, very, very obvious. And, and very dear to us, Lord, as we take some time this morning to commune with you and to remember your son and, and the one who bought and purchased our salvation. Lord, we take some time this morning to reflect on Jesus, to love him through this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated if you